The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times. Your host, Jerry Coligas. Good morning, Octotex listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. Also, thank you to those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the key steps in estate planning. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday, May the 20th, and we are broadcasting our radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keeley Town Square Media Station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up our May issue of the Best of Times in one of our 522 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as to uh, download and listen to podcasts from the Best of Times Radio Hour. We are, again, still proud of our 2017 edition of Silver Pages, the Senior Resource Directory. It's not available, sadly, at our 522 distribution locations, but it is available at the Cattle Council on Aging Offices and the Bossier Council on Aging Offices, uh, located here in Shreveport in Bossier City. You can also download it from our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. The AARP defensive driving classes are now available in northwest Louisiana. If you are 55 years of age or older and wish to enroll or renew your AARP defensive driving class certification, the Bossier Council on Aging will host a few of these classes during 2017. The upcoming date is June the 21st, and there's another one on August the 23rd. Location of, of course, the Bossier Council on Aging offices on Bearcat Drive in Bossier City. The classes are limited to 25 people, so you must RSVP by calling 318-741-8302. Remember to log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for a listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Bear, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Aber, stunning country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas, and again, I do thank you for listening to our show today. We have some two remarkable gentlemen today. Well, one of them's remarkable. <laughs> 
On my show today, that's Mr. Joe Gilso and Lee Aronson, who are elder law attorneys with the firm of Gilso and Associates, located here in the Shreveport area, and they're going to discuss the key steps in effective estate planning. So thank you, Joe, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you. Both of these gentlemen have been on my show. Oh, God, I've been doing this for 16 years. And... Both of y'all have been on the show, on my show and previous shows on various capacities and help mm-hmm. educating people. So I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad, to have, I'm glad to have you a big supporter of the best of times and here on the radio show. But I, I, the information that you're going to convey to our listeners today can help can help them, right? Right. We're positive about that, Lee, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We should be. That's right. Because you've got some valuable information to, to share with our individuals out there that, that can help them now and in the future, right? Yes. Absolutely. And, and it's it, these are very important topics we're going to talk. A, a lot of the, uh, I hate to call them senior citizens like me, hate to talk about estate planning. Is that sad? They need to. Yes, it can be rather boring but, uh, but and rather but, stressful, but it, it but is important. They yeah. need to get the family and have the talk and have the discussions and then finalize with the state, of, uh, with elderly law attorneys like y'all to formalize what, the, what their wishes want to be for them and for their family members, right? That's correct. Because a lot of people, uh, Joe, you've been on the show before, and I thought the, the most interesting statement that was ever made by this by this individual lady, an elderly lady, who came up to me and says, my son will take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I don't need a will. I don't need a state plan. My son will take care of everything. And w- what was your answer to that? I don't recall. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I wish I did. Oh. What did I say? Well, you, you said those... That kind of vagueness of the son who hopefully may or may not know what to do may not be what you want happening after you pass or even when you're incapacitated. So it's it's a lot of vagueness there. My it son and the, and the loved one, the mother or the grandmother or the aunt, won't have a clue what's going to happen. Yes, and it may not be the best thing for the son. Right. There's and for the other family members. Right. And yes. And I've seen more of that happening lately that... One uh, sibling will take care of everything, and the other ones don't know what's happening. Going, got to go on, right? That's correct. Yes. So both of y'all have some 32 years of experience. Wow, that's in and Lee a little bit, a little bit shorter, but you're much younger than Joe and I are. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> and and Mr. Lee Aronson, I, I do want to give you some kudos because he has a big following in the best of times readership. Uh, everybody looks forward to your interesting and informative articles for how, how many years now it's been? It's been quite a few number of years. I think you were like 18 when you first started. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I am picking on him because I like to pick on him all the time. I like to pick on him, too. And when he goes makes presentations, everybody likes to pick on him. But sometimes he picks on the audience like moi here. Uh-huh. And I have to get back oh, well, you need it. Oh, thank you, sir. So, again, you've been, you've been giving some inspiring and in- educational articles both for for our readers, uh, and I will tell you, I'm going to give you the kudos. Even my wife is so appreciative of your very informative articles that it, we've learned a lot of legal stuff that we've never knew about. Excellent, very good. And I mean, and I know a lot of people have contacted you and and, and given you kudos. But again, I want to tell you today that again, we deeply appreciate that. Well, thank you. So, most people think the the. A state planted a state planning should be fairly basic. Is that true or false? 
Yes, that's true. Most people think that, but it's usually not a good idea for most people. I tell people that usually a simple will is a simple blunder. Wow. That's not always the case, but often the case. Uh, For example, uh, husband and wife want to have what we call loving wills. They leave everything to each other. Husband dies, leaves everything to his wife. wife, Let's let's switch it around. Wife dies, leaves everything she has to her husband, even if it's a relatively small amount. But she leaves it to the husband, and what's what are the potential consequences? Uh, he could lose his half and her half in a lawsuit. When he dies, what is his will going to say? Is her share going to go the way she wanted it to go, or will he leave it to his new wife? Oh, you know things things like this. Or if he has to go into a nursing home and wants Medicaid to pay. Now he's got not just his half of the money to spend down to the $2,000 that's required before Medicaid will pay, but he's got her half to also spend down or try to do planning with. If instead the husband, in my hypothetical, dies and leaves his assets to a trust, it's created in his will, nothing to bother with until he dies, and this trust pops up out of the will, that money, even though the wife can be in charge of it, is totally protected from creditors, from Medicaid, for nursing home care. And if the husband starts to do strange things with it, the children can step <laughs> in and put a stop to it because the money is in trust by the husband and the children. He may use it all legitimately. He's not necessarily giving anything up, but he, it is protected in that trust. Why? Just because the state law says so. So do do people tend to what, – what's the negatives that they feel that this is too much of a legal problem in, in forming this type of protection? Is yes, it's, it's, a li- it's a little bit difficult to comprehend. Now, I know the statement I just made seems crystal clear to me, but most people <laughs> listening to it for the first time will have a blank look on their faces, which I understand. Uh, it's it, it takes a little while to explain it, so it's a, a little complicated, but it's – it's, it's sort of like doing uh, accounting work or something like that. Once you learn how to do it, it's very easy to deal with. Once you get used to a trust and deal with it, it's very easy to deal with. It becomes second nature. But the initial concept is a little di- little bit difficult to understand. It seems like, why be so complicated? Uh, it throws in a few, and it does indeed throw in a few complications, rules that have to be followed by the trust for it to work properly. But really nothing is given up compared to the protection that it provides. And that's the, the key thing you're saying there is protection and not somebody squandering it or being taken advantage of, right? That's correct. And, yes. and that can happen and does oh, yes, probably it. does. And the other thing is you you may say that the spouse, one or the other, will remarry. You don't know about whether he or she will be honorable, correct? Yes, we see it happening all the time, don't we, Lee? <laughs> Oh, yes. They're really, when you talk about protection, though, there are a couple of issues. The first issue is financial abuse and exploit- exploitation. So as, explain that in layman's terms. As people get older, all the con artists out there ah. say, ooh, we got ourselves a real good victim here. Okay. And you can become a target of all kinds of con artists, which can lead to all kinds of problems. But there are ways that you can protect yourself from the con artists. 
The other type of protection that we see very, very often isn't worried about, I'm going to run up the credit card or I'm going to go out and buy a new boat. It's worry about if I have to pay for the nursing home, yes. am I going to lose everything? Will my kids get nothing? Critical, critical, th- critical thinking there. And what's the latest probability of a person needing skilled nursing care in a nursing home? I read something recently. But the, like, the last statistic I heard is that a single person, there's approximately a 50% chance that he or she is going to need nursing 50%. home care. And for a couple, there's about a 75% chance one or both will need nursing home care. The average is, what, about two, a little over two years is the average stay in a nursing home. And, and the other fallacy and, and is I hear I hear it today even with some astute individuals that are elderly. Oh, Medicare will take care of when I need to go in that nursing home for, for years and years. Medicare will in some cases pay for a short period of time, 20 days. After that, unless you have supplemental insurance, there's, I believe it's $169 a day copay for rehabilitation. That's up to a total of 100 days. Medicare cuts off, if you've even been able to get that much. After that, the government pays for nothing, unless you qualify for Medicaid, in which case it will come in and pay the nursing home costs to the extent that your regular monthly income does not cover the nursing home. Somebody getting a check for $2,500, Social Security, that's their only income. Nursing homes cost close to $6,000 a month now. They're a good bit short, $3,500 a month short. And Who's going to pay for that? Well, if you either pay for it out of their own savings until they're broke, and then Medicaid will come in and pay that difference, but it won't pay for any extras. By the proper use of trust, and we just that's way too uh, complicated to get into detail here, but by using trust, a large amount of assets can be set aside. If you have family members you can trust, then well, those assets will be available to help supplement your care in that nursing home give you a much better standard quality of care than you would have strictly with Medicaid care. And let's say the, the, the husband and wife have, have wonderful children, and if they don't have this type of protection, the kids are going to have to end up helping to supplement possibly the needed nursing home care that could last for many, many years. Is that true? That's true. And, and that could, I mean, a lot of them go say, well, well, mom and dad took care of us. We might as well take care of them. But that's going to deplete them to have for their, for their livelihood and for their, their enjoyment of life, right? Yes. One of the whole ideas with all of this type of planning that Lee and I do is to preserve family legacies. Because the more a family can preserve, the more likely that children and grandchildren are to receive educations and good care. We're going to be right back with more information, but I do want to mention, we're going to mention this every time, we're, we're doing a little bit of overview today, but you can attend their next estate planning seminars, which will take place on Friday, May the 26th from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Oaks of Louisiana, or another uh, opportunity is Friday, June the 2nd from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Broadmoor Library. Do call this number for reservations. It's 318 318- Five two four nine nine six six. Again, the number is five two four nine nine six six. It's a free seminar, and you'll learn a lot more of information today. We're just going to be giving you a summary of some of the information that they will convey. 
We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. the best of times with your host Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bear, Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today are two astute elder law attorneys, that's Joe Gilso and Lee Aronson, and they're with the firm Gilso and Associates, located here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area, and they're discussing the key steps to effective estate planning. Well, thank you, Joe, and thank you, Lee, for joining us today. You're welcome. And we are, we've covered in our first segment a little bit of overview about estate planning and the needs. But I, I want to mention again to my listeners out there, we're just going to be touching. This is only a, an hour show today, and they're going to give you the opportunity for about two hours to hear them present and you'll get bit to answer questions from both Lee and Joe at their upcoming estate planning seminars that will take place on Friday, May the 26th from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Oaks of Louisiana or Friday, June the 2nd from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Broadmoor Library. Call for reservations for 524-9966. That's 318-524-9966. If you want more information, you couldn't write that down. It's on it's on the back page of the best of the May issue of the best of times. So going back to um, discussing estate planning. So what is the best way to protect against those potential catastrophes? Tongue twied way, love, love today. Must be the the, the uh, lack of lunch that I had, or breakfast. Excuse me, breakfast that I had did not have today. The big catastrophe. Catastrophe, yes. Is the government. The government. If you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. the government has one for you, and you may not particularly like the government's plan. But you were talking earlier about that woman. Oh, I don't need any of that. My son will handle that. Right. The government has a plan for that woman if she doesn't have one. If she wants to make a plan where her son will handle all that, she absolutely positively can do that. But if you think, ah, I don't need to do anything, just basically saying, I'll let the government step in and take control of my life. Oh, and we don't want that to happen. Well, I don't think you do. <laughs> That's true, but 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 these these things. For example, I, I was I was thinking about an individual who has um, twelve kids. The husband and wife have twelve children. So if they delegated that to one of their sons to take care of, they would have to get unanimous consent with the other eleven siblings to do anything without a proper will and estate planning. If they did not have a proper plan, that sounds like it's going to be mighty hard on those 12 kids. And, Gary, let's say that those 12 kids get along just fine and have no problem communicating. It's still not going to be easy. If you want to make things easy for your 12 kids, you do a plan, you put it all in place, 
and it makes things easier for your family. So it really is a gift to your children. It is a gift. That is true. One other follow-up question. Guys, y'all know me. Gary's good at follow-up questions. Someone asked me a question, uh, Joe and Lee, and I didn't know how to answer this. Um, they developed an estate planning. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if it was with you or whomever. But they. this person asked me, should I share that information with my children? <laughs> If you the estate planning and, and his will and all of his plans, he asked me this. And I said, why don't you ask your lawyer this? And he said, well, you know, I didn't. The lawyer probably didn't. I didn't tell him anything. Or maybe he didn't ask the question or, they, or he assumed or she assumed they would know. Do, is there the advice? I'm asking legal advice here. Is it is it proper or not proper to share it? That is totally up to the client. I suggest they discuss it with the lawyer to see what some of the ramifications are. Because when you start to discuss issues, then other things pop up you hadn't even thought of. So those for example, it's the unknowns. Well, for example, somebody might think it's real good to have this one child in charge of everything, to be the oh. executor and the trustee of the trust. Well, are there any other children that are going to be offended by that? That okay. might come in now, and cause big problems. Point there. Are you going to cause a rift among the family by putting just one person in charge? Uh, yeah, perhaps the best qualified person lives in Alaska. That could cause a few problems. You might want to name somebody closer to home. But talking it over with the family in those cases to let the children know why these decisions are made might be beneficial. And the parent might get feedback that causes them to change the, the That's plan. what I was going to ask you. Could that occur? It probably could occur. Yeah. And there are some cases where the last thing they want to do is discuss it with the children because that maelstrom will begin immediately instead of while well, the parent is still alive. If you want to stay out of it, if you think there are going to be problems, no matter what you do, then you might want to keep it a big secret and let the kids find out when you're gone. But I'm just thinking now on a, an interesting caveat here. You, if you're a uh, individual that did not know a lot about your family or your relatives and you're appointed the executor and you didn't know about all these transactions and estates and, I mean, and property and et cetera, and then all of a sudden you're dumped on this to make all these decisions. And sometimes it's mind-boggling on the executor, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, Lee can back this up, that we often encouraged our clients to bring children with them, oh, their children okay. who are going to be involved. It depends on their circumstance. Again, sometimes they don't want the children there. It's the last thing they want. But when they have no objections, it's very good to bring the kids in so the kids know what's happening. They know what's there. They can help the parents remember things, and they can learn from the attorney what's being done and why it's being done. So when the parent dies and they see this will, they don't think, what craziness was this? They know what the reasons were. And they might have some real good input to cause some changes to the plan. So the individual asked me this question on whether he should share it with his uh, children, should go back to his attorney and discuss the advantages or disadvantages of this. Yes. Because according to what he told me, he didn't ask the question. They didn't offer it the answer. So it was like a nebulous. I'm sure he gets handed the documents and says, here, do it what you want. No. So that that's that's my uh, he's probably listening uh, that he needs to go back to speak with his attorney or whoever drafted up his documents. Correct. Yes. You can kind of think of it this way: part of the plan 
talks about what happens to your stuff after you pass. And I could see where you may not want a lot of people knowing about that. But a good plan should also talk about what happens while you are alive. What happens if you can't make your own health care decisions? What happens if you can't make your own financial decisions? And if you are going to be appointing one of your children or some of your children to be making health care decisions for you, they don't want to find out about it by getting a surprise phone call from the hospital. Excellent, excellent advice. So if you want to keep what happens after you die private, that's fine. You can do that. But keeping stuff private while you're alive, I wouldn't encourage that. And that's, that's for example, Lee, your, the living will, the living will, health care power of attorney, and just regular power of attorney. That, those three things? Right. A living will talks about not, I'm going to give away everything I own while I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. A living will talks about if two doctors examine you and both of them are absolutely positively sure what you've got is incurable. It's terminal, it's irreversible, and you are not coming out of this coma. And everyone is sure of it. The living will is your opportunity to say, while you can, whether or not you would want to be hooked up to the machines. If you don't tell anybody you have the living will, how are they going to know? Good point. And they and they will won't know, and the, the the hospital and the physicians won't know that it exists, correct? That's right. But let me get, ask one follow-up. And when people get admitted to hospitals lately, they're asked, do you have a living will? Most of them say, I don't know, or I don't have one. They hand them one. Right. And let's talk a little bit about that, because there is a law in Louisiana that has me very, very concerned. It's a mouthful. But the name of this law is Louisiana Physicians Order for Scope of Treatment Law. Scope of Treatment, okay. And it's a living will that they hand out that Mm -hmm. is supposed to be, but does not have to be, on a yellow or goldenrod sheet of paper. And the idea behind this thing, I think, is a pretty good one. It gives you a whole bunch of boxes to check. (laughs) Would you want do not resuscitate? Would you want artificial administration of food or hydration? Would you want antibiotics? But here's the deal. Even if you check the box that says, I do not want artificial food and hydration, Mm -hmm. the law, and in very, very small print on the back of this form, says, even if you check the box saying, I don't want it, you will automatically get artificial food and hydration anyway. Why is that? It seems incredibly unfair to me. But why did the Louisiana legislature do what they did? (laughs) Beyond me. (laughs) So that particular document, and I was going to ask you the other legal question. Somebody wanted me. So once you fill that check off and you really have a living will, what supersedes each other? I I was told that the one, the, the, the dated one that you just got admitted to the hospital supersedes the one that you did uh, three months ago. Yes, the most recent one, because you should be able to change your mind at any point in time. And that is so sad. And I 
that that it that it has that power and that you're well, sitting there that you don't know. Do I have one or have one? Do I have a current one? Well, hopefully you know, but your family members might not know, right? Here in North Louisiana, the vast majority of my clients would say. I do not want to be hooked up to the machines. Mm-hmm. If two doctors are certain, I don't want to live for years in a coma, and I don't want to be hooked up to the food and water machine. A permanent tube attached to my stomach directly, I don't want that. But if you go down to South Louisiana, right. the vast majority of people do want the artificial food and hydration. So if you do want the artificial food and hydration, then that yellow or golden rod form, Mm -hmm. that's a great form for you. (laughs) And I would strongly recommend you do it. But on the other hand, if you don't want Want the food and water, then when the hospital says, do you have a living will? Oh, you don't have it with you? Fill out this one and it's yellow? Your response should be, I'm not filling that out. And if you got a problem with it, call my lawyer. Right. Uh, The other thing that I think you need to emphasize to our listeners out there is that this is uh, – it's part of all the planning, but it's a separate document. And that's that – I want you to emphasize that. It's not part of the big package that's in a humongous notebook that you have to wheel around the whole entire notebook with the will and the, the, the trust and all the other documents, right? It's a separate document. You can do it as a separate document, Gary, but I'm a huge fan of a giant notebook. And I'll tell you why I'm a huge fan of the giant notebook. When you've got the situation where you've passed or you can't communicate all of your decisions, if you've got everything organized in a giant notebook, do you have any idea how much easier that makes it for you your that kids? Tab. But you don't have to bring that document oh, no, to the, to no, the no, hospital no, no. or the physician's office or the nursing home. Or oh, no, whatever. and they don't want it. If you were to show up at the hospital, here's my living will. Okay. Here's what happens to my stuff after I die. Here are my bank statements. They don't want that. Okay. Well, I had another – I'm thinking all these people asking me questions. Does it have to be a, a original living will to, to show the health care provider or can it be a copy? It can be a copy. And in fact, in Louisiana, technically, a living will doesn't even have to be in writing. So if you are mentally A-OK, but physically you can't sign your name, physically you can't write, you can still do a living will. Here's the key. You have got to have two witnesses. The witnesses cannot be related to you by blood or marriage, and you can't inherit anything from them. So, for example, I'm in Joe's will. When I die, I'm going to inherit a can of tuna. (laughs) And the reason why he's done that is because I hate the smell of tuna tuna. fish. (laughs) But even though it's just a can of tuna, which is probably worth more than 50, 60 cents, I could not witness his living will. I'm not related to him, but, but I'm inheriting. Right? You're, right. you're a legateer. I'm good. in his will. Wow. That's something I've never heard. I'm glad you pre- presented that to us. I think I'll start bringing tuna sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> oh, Joe. No, no. <laughs> so, you know, but that, Gary, that's another thing that often needs to be, uh, at least the attorneys ask about it, maybe discussed with the children. Sometimes there's a child who will dissent who will not like the idea of mom or dad not receiving nutrition and hydration. If that's the case, then you need to name somebody to make those decisions on the living will 
and also in the health care power of attorney. Lee often talks, and we'll talk at this seminar, about a case where the health care power of attorney and the living will were clashing because the people in charge, the person who had the health care power of attorney, did not want mom disconnected. Oh, I never thought of that could happen. Even though she had a living will. But it's a great presentation Lee gives on that, and, and I look forward to his giving it at, at, our, at our seminars every time. So, again, it, you should get that acceptance and understanding from whomever you appoint to be your health care power of attorney. And explain to my listeners again, I have more <laughs> uh, mature individuals who, who tell me that, uh, oh, yes, Gary, I have a health care power of attorney. Oh, really? You do? I'm impressed. So does it, does it talk? It always, it's going to handle all the financing, and it's going to handle all the health care. I, I know it is. There's two differences, right? Major differences in a, in a uh, fiscal regular power of attorney than a health care power. They're totally different. Yes. Financial power of attorney covers property of all types. Bank accounts. They can do this. They can pay right. for checks, deposits, things like that. It has nothing. Most of them. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Is it possible to have both of them combined? Yes. It yeah, is They can possible. be combined into one. Oh, but okay. the language has to be there. And the statute says, with the power of attorney, you cannot make health care decisions unless that power is granted in the power of attorney, in the document itself. Must be specified. Must be specified. Yes. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Bear, Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Abears, Sunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Joe Gilso and Lee Aronson, elder law attorneys with the firm of Gilso and Associates, located here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area, and they have been discussing the key steps in effective estate planning. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Lee, for joining us today. You're welcome. Uh, Before we continue this fabulous discussion and and great pearls of wisdom from both of you gentlemen, I want to mention that we're just covering just a little snippet of some of the important topics that they will be covering in great detail at their upcoming estate planning seminars. And these will take place on Friday, May the 26th from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Oaks of Louisiana or on Friday, June the 2nd from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Broadmoor Library. These are free seminars, and, and all everybody's invited to participate and attend. And the number is 318-524-9966. Again, 318-524-9966. And if you have, have the May issue, the best of times, look on the back cover, and there's more detailed information about these seminars and how to contact them. So continuing our discussion... I, I, I feel it's so important that, that one of my campaigns this year and next year <laughs> is to emphasize the people to people in the air, the seniors who I lecture to in, in on this radio show, is the importance of getting a will, a, a very good will for them or their, hopefully their husband or spousal unit to have a good will. Is that, is that a good 
a good uh, advocacy that I should be continuing on? Yes, absolutely. In the great majority of cases, I have seen one case where a client intentionally and wisely chose to die without a will. Whoa. <laughs> that was very interesting. Her husband wanted her to write a will, leaving everything to him. Yeah. She came in and talked to me about that, and I explained what would happen if she died without a will, which meant everything would be inherited by her children. They couldn't really get to it until he died, the husband died, or remarried. Until that time, it was tied up in his favor. She elected not to do a will. She just didn't come back, and shortly thereafter died. Just a very a few days after she died, the husband and children came in, and the husband had had a girlfriend that she knew about, and she knew if she left him everything, he was going to turn around and blow it on his new girlfriend. The kids were astonished to find this out. He asked the children, just let me have it all. Anyhow, they said, no way, Dad. They did not wow. let him do it. <laughs> that was one case where the will would not have been drafted the way she wanted it drafted. That's a very unusual circumstances. But in the great majority of cases, if nothing else, just to name who's going to be in charge of handling everything. You may want to leave it all to your spouse, despite these things we say about the potential dangers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody knows exactly what they want to do. They're right about their own decisions. It's their, their stuff. And, but it's nice to name who's going to be the executor. If that person can't handle it, who's going to be next in line? You don't want people out there fighting in court over who will be executor. We've seen that happen a lot. And Please if you don't have a will, and that's true, if you don't have a will and you do have property, lots of property and businesses, and you don't have a will, what happens? Somebody's appointed by the judge, right, as yes. an executor? Yes. And that title transfer becomes more complex. Yes. And there are often legal battles over who is going to be the administrator of that estate. And so that means more costs and proceedings, both for both attorneys on side and and, clerk, and legal, I mean, judge, jury costs, if it has to go to a, a judge and, and et cetera, right? Uh, litigation is extremely litigation. expensive. You just want to avoid it as you possibly can. It, often the attorneys are the winners with the fees. It just it just depends. And Joe and Lee, it, doesn't it also add to the fact that it becomes more public? Is then is that the truth? Yes. Go ahead. It, it it becomes more public domain if you don't have a will and you have to go before uh, tr uh, courts and judges and they're going to be fighting back and forth, right? Well, you've probably heard the term probate. Yeah. You've probably heard the term succession. Right. And if you have a will, you're going to go through probate. If you don't have a will, you're going to go through something called succession. Either way, if you go through that, almost all of it is a public record. Oh, I thought there were some protections on whether you had the will and you did it through probate that some things that didn't have to be listed, right? There are some ways to protect your privacy if that is something that you want to do. But you've got to plan for that in advance. Once you are gone, <laughs> it's too late, and it's going to become part of the public record, which means anybody can go down to the courthouse or, with the Internet today, get on their computer and find out exactly how much you were worth when you died, 
and who you owed bills to and how much you owed when you died. Hmm. I found that most of my clients couldn't care less about their public record, about the inventory that's filed at the courthouse. Most couldn't care less. Some care deeply. Yeah. And therefore... Might want to use a living trust, which we won't get into, but there are ways to where. So that does, can if be you private. have a living trust, it's not going to. It's going to show a trust was established with X amount of dollars or X number, but it won't go into great detail. Is that correct? Well, the trust will go into detail, but it's not filed. Oh, it's okay. Well, filed. okay. That's that's my uh, that's my question. Here's the here's the basic reason for a succession. If when I die, I have assets in my name, for example, my half share of the house. Mm-hmm. We got to get somebody else's name on it. In my case, a trust. Well, it doesn't happen automatically. We have to go through succession. The judge signs a judgment of possession that now then says, "Who are the new owners of all of my property?" And that's the reason for that. If I want to avoid that, I die without having anything in my name. Hmm. I set up a living trust, transfer those assets there. I don't care about the privacy thing. Now, my IRAs, four hundred one k, are not. Rec- I'm not filed in public record because it was totally bypassed probate. So I have my house, my bank accounts, and so forth, and, and that's about it. And I, like most of my clients, really don't care about that because even though I'm an attorney, I could do my own living trust. I don't want to bother with it. They're more trouble than they're worth in most cases, and often they don't avoid probate anyhow because some little deal, some little asset is left out or something new is acquired that you don't even know was there, perhaps an inheritance. It's hard to avoid probate totally. And and the other advice that I think that you should mention to our listeners out there is, uh, I think I asked you in the last time that you were on the show, is uh, this lady says, hi, I have a will. I said, congratulations, ma'am. And, and she says, yeah, it's 27 years old. Oh, we did it 27 years ago. I said, well, congratulations. Uh, have you updated it? No. What's the disadvantages of that? 27 years she has, has the same. She's still living. Well, if all the circumstances are the same, it might be okay. But the, is the executor, the person she named executor, was that her older sister, for example, who now may have passed away or who is now senile in a nursing home or uh, – has she decided different ideas who she wants to leave her assets to? She needs, she needs to review these things and see if everything is the same as it was 27 years ago. And if it's a little complicated what she's trying to do, there might have been changes in the law. For example, she may have some pets she cares dearly for. Louisiana has recently passed a pet trust law. Whoa. You can now leave assets in trust for your pets. Oh. Yes. I want you to write an article about that, please, sir. Already written, submitted. I think it'll be published next oh, month. Awesome. <laughs> you just read my mind. That, that is so touchy. <laughs> now I'm going to leave a will to my little doggy. Oh, all right. A little trust for dog. I love it. I love it. Uh, no, but that's the critical thing. If you had a will, and most of these elderly people, they come to me. I happened to mention that in one of my presentations. And she came up. And I would variably tell you that some of these people have never looked at them for years and years and years, and there could be added property, sold property, correct? Yes. It's listed in there, our mm-hmm. own, the shopping center. Well, maybe yes, maybe no, right? Then some things have to say, I no longer own that property. Or I purchased like 12 pieces of rental property. They're not listed. So what well, would happen there? They don't need to be listed in the will because uh, you just say, I give my, all my property to so-and-so. That means it covers everything. Or I give it equally to my three 
nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. But one thing I would ask her, tell me about your nieces and nephews. Well, one of them has developed some sort of a disability. Okay. And it may very well need nursing home care. Well, you're just going to give it to them so it's wasted on nursing home care? That share needs to be left in a trust. You need a new will to protect that child. Good point. But the way we write these documents is so they will last and they will last a long time. You should not have to rewrite your will every time you buy a new car. <laughs> right. We <laughs> can avoid that. Very yeah. good. Very good. good. Well, thank you, Joe, and thank you, Leah, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We want to emphasize to all of our listeners out there, pick up the May issue, the Best of Times on the back cover. They have a seminar on May the 26th, and on June the 2nd, you can call their number at 318-524-9966, or you can visit their website at www.gilso-law.com. Thank you again for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. I'm glad I could help. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Sunny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. the best of times with your host Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for The Best of Times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Mosier.